It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. The end of the working week right here on SEN 1170 AM in Sydney. Wherever you're tuned in right across the SEN network, it is the 1st of December. So the start of another huge sporting weekend and the start of summer as well. Around Sydney, very warm today, 30 in the west and 27 in the city. A few showers are possible, but pretty slight. Then tomorrow, showers developing. It'll stay around the same temps, and Sunday will get a little bit cooler, but there are showers around as we kick off summer, and that's where we're going to start today. The start of summer leads us to the ultimate Australian sounds of summer. So today on the open line and on our text line, let's just take a look outside. And shut our eyes, but think, okay, when we think of summer, what are the sounds of summer? Are they cicadas? You know, those pesky... (laughs) That was quick. That was really quick. I mean, they're going to start to keep you up at night and wake you up in the morning. Is it cricket on the radio? I mean, that is, I reckon, one of the ultimate Australian sounds of summer. And you'll be doing a lot of that right here on SEN because our summer will be chock full of cricket. Is it the whistle that you hear from the lifeguard down at the beach? So give me your sounds of summer this morning on 0457 736 736 or give me a call 1300 01 1170. Is there a particular song that makes... (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of... What if we just go out the backyard for that one at any given time? I mean, kookaburras, the lot. Is there a song that says to you, this is the start of summer in Australia? one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. We've got three hours together, so we can have some fun and we can play some tunes, but we can dig into some sound effects as well. December the 1st is also the date where two of Rugby League's greatest share this birth date. Wally, Le- Wally Lewis turns 64 today, and Bob Fulton would have been 76 today. Both were born on the 1st of December, of course, The great Bob Fulton passed away on the 23rd of May, 2021. I remember the news going around the stadium as Manly were preparing to play Parramatta out at Combank. And, of course, Bozo was born in Warrington in the UK. So our wishes to Wally Lewis, who turned 64 today, and thoughts to the Fulton family. They would have been celebrating Bob Fulton's 76th birthday today. Jaleesa Apps will join me this morning. I'll get to golf in just a sec. And Larry Canning will wrap up uh, the morning's activities because obviously another early start out there. Ashley Nofke will join me from the Brisbane Heat as they prepare for the WBBL final tomorrow night. We'll do our track tips with Chris Nelson looking at Rose Hill and at Doombin. And it's the return of Tommy's Tribune this week. So we've had Gibbo's gobful for the last couple of weeks, but we're back into headline mode. So the winner will receive a golf box prize pack and we're going on the start of summer theme. Right, so we want something around summer, summer sport, summer sounds for Tommy's Tribune and, of course, Michael Maguire's appointment as coach of New South Wales. More on that in just a second. Okay, let's do a golf update at the Australian Open for you. Round two, of course, getting underway today. 
a summer of golf update with Power Golf. So going into this morning's play and today's play, Cameron Davis was the leader at nine under par. Patrick Rogers from the USA at eight under. Then it was Connor Syme, Grant Forrest at seven and six, Minwoo Lee at five under. After day one, Cameron Smith was one under the card after a 71. So remember, we're playing at the Lakes and at the Australian for yesterday and today. And then after the cut is done, they all go to the Oz for Saturday and Sunday. But it does throw up some differences in the scores and differences in conditions. And yesterday, there was no doubt about it for the men. If you got underway at the Lakes yesterday, if you started your Australian Open Championship at the Lakes, you were in the zone for low scoring. A 63 from Cam Davis, who was just unbelievable yesterday. Um, Preferred lies, so doesn't get towards that course record. But it's one heck of a round. Seven birdies and an eagle. Only two scores from the top 10 players came from the other course yesterday, the Australian course, and both were Scottish players in Connor Syme and Grant Forrest. So two out of the top eight, uh, top 10 came from the Oz. Eight others who shot the lowest scores in the top 10 came from the Lakes today. They flip. When you look at the women going into round two, Rachel Lee was the leader at six under. Um, Steph Kiriakou was back at four under, and both were playing the Lakes, and so did Minji Lee. So the top 10 scoring was split, actually, in the women's 6-4. Six, six of the lowest scores came from the Lakes and four from the Oz. What's been happening early this morning? Well, Connor Syme has taken his form from the Oz over to the Lakes, and he now leads the way at 10 under par through four holes. So an early start for the Scotsman, and he has gone birdie, birdie, par, birdie. And he started on the back nine at the Lakes after his round yesterday at the Australian. Cameron Davis, of course, as I mentioned, he'll get underway at 20 past 12 today, starting at nine under the card. And uh, Joachim Neiman has also gone out and has a round at the moment going of one under. He's playing at the Lakes and he's up to minus six. So one birdie and three pars to start his round. That's on the men's side of things. In the women's. Jenny Shin has gone to the outright lead at 7-under, playing at the Lakes. Rachel Lee will get underway later this afternoon. So a half-ass one start for Rachel Lee. And Sarah Hammett has moved up to 4-under, 2-under for the day so far. So we'll keep our eyes on that. Larry Canning will have all the latest for you. Power Golf Summer of Golf is here. You can save up to 20% online or in stores. The sound of golf ball... Uh, golf club on golf ball, an ultimate Australian sound of summer. I mean, it goes all the way throughout the year, but this is when we start to hear those sounds. What about cricket bat on ball or cricket ball into window? That's got to be an ultimate Aussie sound, does it not? I'm sure we can find some audio of that. In rugby league, the Panthers have confirmed their world club challenge trip, and this is good news. They're going to play the Warriors Wigan in February. It'll take place in Wigan. On Saturday night over there, the 24th of February, which is Sunday morning, our time. Interesting, 12 days later, Penrith will play Melbourne in round one of the Premiership. So we've got those four teams that are going to the US, and that's for round one. But now we've got Penrith travelling to the UK about 
a week and a half before the first round starts. And then when you take a look at the first round draw, you wonder whether... I mean, this would sound bizarre normally if we're thinking about the fact that the Panthers are three-time defending champions, but they've got the storm in round one on Friday the 8th of March, and it's at Amy Park. Now, the storm, as you well know, have had a miraculous run under Craig Bellamy in round one. Unbeaten stretches back to 2003. So it makes you wonder if you're prepared to call Melbourne v Penrith, the Storm, a safe, probably one of the safest or possibly one of the safest bets for the first round. I mean, it sounds almost idiotic, but when you put it in that perspective, they're going to have to travel back from the UK. They're going to play the Storm in Melbourne in round one. Take a look at the other matches. Now, the two uh, opening matches of the doubleheader over in Vegas, Eagles v. Rabbitohs, Roosters v. Broncos, you've got to say, because of where they're playing and everything that's going on, you've got to say at the moment, they're too tight to call, perhaps. Just take your own club's hat off at the moment. Knights v. Raiders is the first game in Australia on Thursday night. That's in Newcastle, but anything's possible there. Warriors, Sharks, anything's possible there. Eels v Bulldogs, that's at Combank Stadium. Titans and Dragons, two new coaches, Des Hasler at the Titans, Shane Flanagan at the Dragons, and of course Dolphins and Cowboys, and the West Tigers have the bye. So it's interesting when you look at that and you go, wow, Storm v Panthers, I wonder what odds the Storm are going to start next year. I reckon I'd still be backing the Panthers, but let's throw in a quick trip over to the UK. Meanwhile, the Michael Maguire era has officially started for New South Wales State of Origin and we brought you this press conference yesterday and what Madge had to say and I thought it was really impressive the way that he spoke I mean we we expect this of Michael Maguire and yesterday he spoke with Jimmy Smith at length one of the things that he did say was that he will speak to Jack White and to try and get him back into a Blues jersey very fond of Jack he said I had some quality time with him there at Canberra he's a big game player I'll let him find his feet there at South's and when the time's right, we'll have that conversation. I fully respect where he's at and what he wants to do. So some pretty strong messages, I reckon, came out from the Michael Maguire press conference and interviews that he's done yesterday, and strong statements around his assistant coaching and set-up staff, the high-performance team, they're calling it. John Cartwright, Brett White, Matt King, and Frank Panisi. They're from the Melbourne Storm, acting as the team's performance manager could be an absolutely critical appointment in the back room. We're 187 days away until State of Origin Game 1. So the 5th of June, we've got a lot of time. But I wonder also if you've got a motto for us for Madge's time as New South Wales coach. It's a brand new era. It's a new start. So have you got a motto for Madge for New South Wales? I mean, Queensland will just go with Queenslander. We know that. And Michael Maguire is going to bring his own fit and his own feel to this state of origin team. So while you're also thinking about sounds of summer for me this morning, think about a motto for Madge for New South Wales. Just put it into words. 0457 736 736 is the text line number. Again, have some fun with that. What's Madge's motto for New South Wales for 2024 and beyond?
And I see some stories around that the Panthers are also set to offer a lifetime deal for Nathan Cleary, which is an absolute no-brainer and probably not really discussing at any length because he signed until with his dad until the end of 2027. We haven't even started 2024. He's 26 years of age. Of course they want to keep him there. And of course they want to, want to have him there forever. But they don't have to start thinking about it for quite a few years. But Brian Fletcher, the Panthers CEO, has said there's no way we're going to lose Nathan Cleary and it won't be happening on my watch. And I think that's an obvious and clear, um, clear point from the Panthers. I can't see anything else changing in that regard whatsoever. But we don't have to think about it for a few years. He's on big money. He's on a long-term contract. And we haven't even started 2024. He'll be there in 24, 25, 26, 27. Fair old time um, frame to pass in between there. But if you could offer a lifetime deal to any player at your club, who would it be? Right? We've got a lot of players at your club who are signed on long-term deals anyway. But if there's, is there one player at your club and you say, this is the guy, obviously probably the young guy at the moment, who I don't want to see play anywhere but here? Broncos. Reese Walsh, I mean, his name's there. Is he the kind of player that you want to see at Brisbane for life? The Knights, could they just lock in Kalon Ponga forever? What about the Bunnies? Cam Murray, Latrell Mitchell, throw a name or two at me from your club. If you had one lifetime deal to give out, who would you give it to? Not a bad way of thinking on this Friday morning to get your your rugby league juices flowing. In Cricket Australia play India tomorrow morning in the fourth T20, so we have to see the makeup of the team. India lead the series 2-1, and of course a whole stack of World Cup players have gone home, so we'll wait on that one. Meanwhile, we'll be waiting on the Australian selectors. They'll be meeting to discuss the Pakistan series and the test squad. And Cameron Green did everything bar hitting another four runs yesterday that he could to show Australian selectors that with the red ball, he's up for it. And also his mindset suffered. He got it caught by Michael Nessa on 96 for WA against Queensland yesterday. It was a sharp catch as well. Crash Craddock has reported this morning that plan A from the selectors for the Pakistan series is to include David Warner at the top, then replace him for the West Indian series with Manus Labashane as opener. So we discussed this the other day, the shuffle of the order. So Warner retires from tests, assuming he makes the Pakistan series. Then Manus Labashane goes up. Cameron Green comes back in to number four. And Cam Green said yesterday, he goes, I've got a lot of energy. Around the ashes, I was a bit flat. But the last month or so, I haven't played as much. So now I have a lot of energy which says two things to me. One, the amount of cricket that he played in the IPL and all that kind of stuff was way too much to try and carry him through everything that followed. And two, the decision to park him at the back end of the Ashes and then through most of the ODI World Cup, whilst it must have been hard for selectors, especially they know he's a generational player, has proved to be the right thing because he's got his mindset back in terms of being energised. He won't play Big Bash this summer, even if he fails to play any test matches. And on the side of that, Ricky Ponting reckons Cam Bancroft 
should be at the front of the queue to replace David Warner. He says that Bancroft should go up, and now's the time. And he also says that Glenn Maxwell should be considered after his ODI exploits. And it's a fair old call from Ricky Ponting. But Maxwell in the test arena, remember, hasn't been there for a long time. He played his last test in 2017. He's only played seven test matches for Australia, averaging 26. So he played from 2013 to 2017 and hasn't played a test match for Australia since. One century, 104 against India in 2017. So does he come into the mix here and do selectors look at him differently now, especially after what he did in the ODI World Cup. The Adelaide Strikers will take on the Brisbane Heat in the WBBL final. That's tomorrow, as I said. And thanks to ResMed, awaken your best performance with ResMed. Uh, the best performer, the breathtaking moment of the weekend. Does it come from the Oz Open Golf? Does it come from the WBBL? Will we see another NRL player transfer by the time we get off the show this morning? <laughs> More than likely. Will it come from Game 4 of the T20 International Series. ResMed helping Aussies sleep and breathe better for over 30 years. Free online sleep assessment at resmed.com.au. So sounds of summer this morning, the ultimate Aussie sound of summer, and Madge's motto. That's where we're going this morning on 0457 736 736. Plus, you've got one lifetime deal to give to a player at your club. Who's it going to be? Come and join that conversation right here on SEN, your home of sport, back after this. Ah, uh, come on. Is, is this the sound of summer or is this the sound of summer? Was it the sound of summer? He's done it. He's done it. Why about a sport sound? So that was a shout out from. <laughs> Times have changed, absolutely. That was uh, a shout-out from Dan. Uh, Julian King, by the way, texted me as well. So we could kind of mix the two, Jules, because, as you've said, the 12th Man albums. And then once we hear that now, we also think, welcome back to the MCG. Um, but that's an absolute sound of summer there, the Channel 9 Wild of Sports theme. There's another one, too, which we'll piece together, which is lost and... Somebody asked the question, I think yesterday or the day before, about the Australian Open golf as to whether or not we'd see the Australian Masters golf return, which disappeared some five, four, six or seven years ago. So when we lost the Australian Masters uh, in our summer of golf, we also lost one of their great themes. And um, it's actually a tune called Send Them Victorious, by Graham DeWild. And when I think of the Australian Masters and I think of this music, I think of the summer of golf and I think of the great Sandy Roberts. The tradition continues. And when I think of Sandy, I think there is a pig at full forward. (laughs) See, that's a great tune. Unfortunately, we don't get that one Uh, from the Australian Masters, but the summer of golf has got its own backdrop as well. This is good fun. We could do this all morning, I reckon. So give me some of your sounds of summer this morning. And also, you can go off, you can go off piste, if you like, and have a little crack at some sounds that are away from sport Um, and songs that, that just jump out at you. 
0457-736-736 and getting plenty of shouts too about the lifetime player. So I'm giving you one ticket. You get a lifetime deal. Let's just take salary caps and all that rubbish out of it. Not rubbish, but let's take all that out of it and just say you've got a lifetime deal. You work out the money later. Who are you going to give it to? Let me know your thoughts on that. New South Wales completed a remarkable win against Tasmania at the SCG yesterday in Sheffield Shield. So we had Cameron Green's story from his match with 96. And at the SCG, 24 wickets fell yesterday. So the Blues' second innings collapsed. They made 224 in their first dig, and they collapsed in the second. They lost 9 for 55, including 7 for 19 along the way. Then Tasmania just needed 143 to win. But they collapsed even bigger and harder. They were rolled for 68 in the second innings. Chris Tremaine with 6 for 30 and Jackson Bird with 4 for 22. They took them all. And there was a lot of focus around the pitch out at the SCG. They're apparently using new grass out there. Tasmanian captain Jordan Silk said, I've played quite a lot of shield cricket and can't say I've played on a wicket quite like that where the ball was nipping around a lot. There were cracks on lines and it was snaky. You just didn't have the sideways movement, but you also had a few balls climbing up and then some climbing down. So it sounds like an absolute nightmare. He says, then you think you can cop a bit of wear and tear later. Um, but there's been 40 wickets in 160 overs of cricket. You probably think it's a bit too heavily weighted towards the bowlers. That's coming from somebody who's really keen on having some sporting wickets, but it was slightly too far towards the bowling side. Well, they made the most of it. New South Wales rolling Tasmania for 68 in the second innings, and they were win by 74 runs yesterday at the SCG. We'll go to the SEN newsroom. Jaleesa Raps will be joining me. The sounds of summer, Madge's motto, and a lifetime deal. They're all on the table this morning. Out on the patio we sit And the humidity we breathe We watch the lightning crack over cane fields And laugh and think this is Australia there is the sound of summer. That one came in from Chris, the Toowoomba Raider. Ganga Jang. Yeah, um, the song is called Sounds of Then, in brackets, This Is Australia. And that you instantly think of out on the patio we sit, and you couldn't be any more summer than that. Jaleesa Raps is on the line. Gee, we, we swung into summer quickly. I mean, we've got storms and all sorts of stuff right around the country. <laughs> you never know what season it is. But, J.A., Good morning to you. Have you got a, a sound in particular that says to you this is summer in Australia? Yeah, uh, the sound for me, and it goes along with a bit of a smell, is the sound of, like, harvesting and, like, the smell of canola. That always, like, tells me that it's summer, Christmas is close, and hopefully everyone's had a good year. Ah, <laughs> oh, the old harvest sound and smell. So a lot of that, yeah, what a, what a pity we... We're, yeah, that's that's kind of it. There you go. Nick's found a bit of a sound for you. <laughs> I'm assuming that's a harvester. It sounds like it needs a little bit of oil and a bit of work on it. But hey, it sounds like my tractor, JA. Eh? That's that's a beauty. Sounds the like sounds and smell. That's it. Sounds like a header. Nice work. Hey, uh, you were at the announcement yesterday, which we played here as it happened with Michael Maguire. Not so much of announcement because we knew it was coming, but. He was very impressive the way that he spoke, and he was very direct, which is Madge's way. What was yeah. was your take out from 
the new era that's about to begin for the Blues? Um, well, just a real sense of excitement from Match. He was just so, uh, you can tell the role means so much to him. He's said uh, multiple times that he always dreamed of playing for the Blues um, and that this coaching them means so much to him. Now, obviously, probably a bit of a bit of messaging there saying, you know, I am true blue and I, you know, I care about this jersey just as much as um, anyone who's played. But I think also very genuine that um, he's just so honoured to have this role. And Matt has always uh, been like that in, in terms of how seriously he takes and how much of a privilege he sees the roles that he has. I mean, even with New Zealand, uh, up until as like recently as last month when I was with the Kangaroos, I had a lengthy conversation with him about what he was hoping to do with the junior system over there. And I think, like, personally, I think New Zealand have really fumbled uh, making him give up that role. But certainly no lack of passion from Madge. He also said that everyone's um, on notice in terms of their jerseys. There's no loyalty or incumbents guaranteed or anything like that. He's going to really send a message to the whole NRL, anyone who's a New South Wales Welshman, to uh, just play well and you can get picked. So really starting with a clean slate and you can see that in his coaching staff as well. John Cartwright I thought was an, was an interesting appointment given he's kind of the man that has missed out on the job. But um, I asked Madge, were these all handpicked by you? And he said, yep, they were all my choice. Uh, all people that he's either known very well or worked with before. So a whole new coaching staff. It feels like a very fresh start for the Blues. Mm. What about Frank Panisi's appointment? I mean, when I heard that, we all know Frank Panisi's standing in the game and what he's been um, achieving throughout his tenure, especially at the Melbourne Storm. But his appointment for the Blues uh, it came as a little bit of a surprise. No surprise to Michael Maguire because he got a yes straight away. He could be a, a key piece of the puzzle for for Madge under this new start. Yeah, really interesting one, given like his role at um, the Storm, sort of, I guess, more a long-term uh, role. And so it's like, how much can you do in, in that short of time? But uh, everyone in the game who's um, got, had anything to do with Frank Panisi has huge wrath on him. And, I mean, the, what the Melbourne Storm have done uh, with a large contribution of him speaks for itself. So um, I liked the liked the appointment of Frank Panisi. I liked the new direction of um, all the coaching staff, really. It's, it's just good to get new blood in and a fresh sort of start for everyone. Some of the words or phrases that I wrote down while I was listening yesterday to Michael Maguire was, you know, that he was pinching himself that he was in this job, that mm. when he'd spoken to others about this job, that basically they said to him, without giving him advice, they just said, it's massive, mate, you know, and also yeah. about how one play can be the difference. And he knows that, everybody knows that about State of Origin, but he also knows that one player can often be the difference. Now, Jack White might not be that one player, but it's pretty clear that he wants Jack White back in the mix. Yeah, I mean, he uh, yeah he said to to Jimmy about um, the about Jack White and and that I mean maybe it's it's certainly I don't think it's like Jack's guaranteed a spot if he wants to come back because as he said no one is uh, but Jack would certainly be a very handy inclusion especially if he goes quite 
well at South. Madrigal also asked about his um, like his, his style of coaching and um, how that will translate to the Origin Arena. And he actually said he thinks that he because you know we all know he gets called intense and all that kind of thing. He said he felt like it was going to be a more relaxed uh, style for him heading into the Origin Arena because uh, you know he said you're trying to deal with a lot of dis- different personalities. Um, when you're trying to bring up a club in different age groups and things like that, whereas in Origin, theoretically, you have the best of the best, and so you can just sort of focus on coaching uh, that side that that you have. So, um, yeah, certainly very uh, grateful for the job. I asked him, did anyone of those coaches, because he has a lot of contact, obviously, with Ricky Stewart in Canberra, but he's also uh, got a lot of contact with Laurie Daly and... Um, I said, did any, of those, did any of those coaches advise you against it? And he said, no, everyone said to do it. So uh, even the people that have maybe been burned by the job before, they all said to, for him to do it. I didn't get to hear the whole of um, Dave Trodden's essentially preamble to the announcement. Was there any reflection yesterday, J.A., on Brad Fitler and his coaching staff and their role over the last years? And where Brad Fittler perhaps sits in the in the scheme of things. I mean, they're going to give Madge his space, no doubt about it. And and I don't know what type of connection that Madge and Freddie have got, but was there any reflection on, on Freddie's tenure as head coach of the New South Wales State of Origin team? Um, not from my memory. I don't even... I don't remember him being referenced uh, at all. Um, no, I think it was all just in terms of moving forward and just looking now... To the future, and I guess the announcement itself—it's uh, uh, maybe it was just a uh, just a reflection of everyone maybe moved on because we we were all just waiting for this announcement um, of match too. It wasn't really like anyone was out there thinking that anyone else was going to do this job. So I think it was all more about moving forward and announcing the the rest of the staff. Absolutely. A uh, quick one on cricket. So we got the WBBL final tomorrow night. Adelaide and Brisbane, and then in the backdrop of, of what's going to happen in the Australian Test summer, assuming David Warner gets picked for the Pakistan series and he and he ends on his terms at the SCG, the big question then comes, who, what do they do with the opening position for the West Indies series and beyond? And everyone's having their say. Um, where, where do you think that this discussion's going to lead us? I mean, all sorts of names are coming up. Can you see them... Selecting a new start, or can you see them shuffling the decks and perhaps moving Manus up? Yeah, I that's my preference. I think to move uh, Manus up. I think um, just the to have like a sort of steady hand there. Although his form the last couple of years a little been been a little bit up and down. I think that he's probably the best choice. I heard um, you say that Punter mentioned Glenn Maxwell. That's a pretty wild selection. Mm. Yeah, he said, Ricky Ponting has said that he should be considered uh, for a return. Now, he hasn't played since 2017, test cricket that is, but he's referencing the kind of form that Glenn Maxwell is in. And he also referenced that double century against against Afghanistan, saying it's the most incredible thing I've seen. So it's inter- he, he also put Cam Bancroft in the mix to be the replacement for Warner at, at the top of the order. But when you... When Ricky Ponting talks, cricket listens, doesn't it? And if he's throwing out a name like Glenn Maxwell to be considered, then 
Yeah, it does. It got my interest as well, so I'm not surprised it got yours. Good on you, Jaleesa. Thank you for that. Uh, appreciate it. Have a good day. Make sure you keep the radio on while you're out and about covering the sports stories because we're going to do lots of sounds of summer today, and I reckon you're going to like it. I've had it on all morning, Maddie. <laughs> good on you. Jaleesa Rapp's joining us there. So, yeah, Cam Bancroft is the is the name that Ricky Ponting's thrown out for the opener position. But Glenn Maxwell, he says, should be in the mix for the summer of test cricket in the kind of form that he's in. And hard to argue as an explosive cricketer, no doubt about it, and freakish talent. On the test side of things, it's been such a different story. And and what do they go to here? Just on test match cricket alone, you have to go back to a period of four years between 20 and 13 and 17 where he only played seven test matches and average 26 with the bat. But I would argue it. Now, I haven't got my head around where you fit and how you fit Glenn Maxwell into this squad, but you would argue that Glenn Maxwell 2023 version, especially after the ODI World Cup, is a very, very, very different proposition to Glenn Maxwell back then. No doubt about it. And like I say, when Ricky talks, cricket listens in this country. We need to take a break. 0457 736 736. More sounds of summer coming up. We're busy, busy, busy this morning, which is exactly how we like it. Your input is fantastic, so keep it coming. Um, Madge's motto for New South Wales, uh, Magic Mike, is just a simple one from one of our listeners on that one. Uh, Madge, making blues great again, says Pedro. Oh, making blues. <laughs> They did that at Manly, didn't they? And I was like, no, 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 no. We, we don't need any more Donald Trump. 0457 736 736. Where is Will Pekofsky up to with his concussion, says Jeremy? I'd like to see him uh, starting. And also, oh, he says, I'd like to see the big show, Maxwell, in tests too. Well, Will Pekofsky is currently playing in the match for Victoria against South Australia. He didn't get any runs in the first innings, batting at number three, was out for 12, but he got runs um, in the second dig, so 65. He was eventually removed by Ashton Agar as Victoria put on 231 in the second dig. So he was the top scorer in that match. Where's Agar, I should say? Top scorer in that match for Victoria in the second innings. And in reply now, South Africa, uh, South Africa, South Australia, three for 49. So they need another 209 runs or need 209 runs to win that one. So that's where Will Pekofsky's at. Um, in terms of his health around the concussions, I am assuming that everything's going okay because they won't put him out there unless he's ready to roll. Physically, that is. So good to see that he's got through another match and we have to wait and see where the Will Pekofsky story goes. Quite a fascinating one. We might spend some time on that next week. But thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate that one. Um, 0457736736. Maxwell is a must in all three formats. Says our texter here, bat, bowl, field, incredible. In tests, batting at six or seven, his job is icing on the cake. Doug Walters, Gilly, Maxwell style. Had earned to be in the squad for starters, so he's, he's earned his spot. Next man in before it's too late. This is from Dez. Says, get Maxi on the bus or get on the Maxi bus is the way that you put it. Here's a funny sound of summer from Rob in Blacktown, who says, the sound of summer that I can think of is game, set, match, Mr. Djokovic. (laughs) 
We've heard that a lot, haven't we, over the Australian summer. Just continues to roll on in. So we've had Ganga Jang. That was a good one. Now, Nick in our Melbourne studios is in control today. Um, if you if you missed the yarn, we're broadcasting from SEN 1170 all over the place because we're rebuilding our studios, which is awesome. So Nick's been going hard at the sounds of summer. And he's come up with this one. So think backyard. Think you're trying to get your grass growing. You've got to go back to hear these ones. And then they turned into a dance move on the dance floor. <laughs> the sprinkler. There it is. I'm sure Tommy's knocked this out on the dance floor, you know, 2am, which is where he got his nickname. The old sprinkler system. So that's a good sound of summer. We've had the header, um, and that was off the back of Jaleesa Rabs talking about the harvest and the smell of summer as well, of canola in her case. Um, do you remember the Slip Slop Slap campaign? I mean, we've got to remember this one. Slap. It sounds like a breeze when you say it like that. Slip, slop, slap. In the sun this summer, slap. Slip, slop, slap. Slop, slap. Oh, yeah. Slip on a shirt, slop on sunscreen and slap on a hat. There you go. Well, at least you're not allowed out in the playground unless you slip, slop, slap, which is coming from somebody who's had a whole stack of stuff cut off his face and body. Um, after years of going out in the sun way too much, slip, slop, slap is a damn good message, folks. And that is a sound of summer unique to Australia right there. That's an absolute ripper. So we've had the sprinkler, the old sprinkler. We've got slip, slop, slap. We might have to piece together a top five. Tommy, I'm going to give you that job there, and we'll we'll play our top five later. So... The other one is that's just come through from the Berkeley Eagle. The most annoying sound of summer is when you go to bed and you hear that buzzing in your ear of a mosquito. Yes. And then he says the most pleasant sound is when you open a can or a stubby after work with a psst. That's it. We don't even need to go into the sound effects uh, library for that way. Everyone, psst. There it is. I reckon I've nailed it. The Berkeley Eagle. Thank you for that. And let's forget about the mozzies. We're going for the, well, unique. Pain in the, you know, where, but... Unique. All righty. It is uh, approaching six minutes to 10 o'clock on this Friday morning. A very good morning to our listeners joining us on SENQ 693 in Brisbane. Thanks for your company on the 1st of December, the first day of a new season in Australia. And that's been one of our talking points. So I want you to jump on board on this one, 0457 736 736 on the text line or give me a call on 1300 01 1170. The ultimate Australian sound of summer. What do you think it is? We've had all sorts of shouts already this morning. And when I say the words, you'll hear um, those sounds in your head, but we've also got them as well. Cicadas have been playing a, a big part, and we found the slip, slop, slap, add uh, the sprinklers, but the old sprinklers, you know, you tick, 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 brrr, that one as well. Um, sounds, the Ganga Jang song, um, this is them, sounds of them, uh, as in this is Australia. That's been one of the big ones as well. We've also had the wide world of sports theme. A great sound of summer, says Simon from Balgownie. Big Daryl Eastlake's calling the Iron, Iron Man series back in the day. Daryl Eastlake and his commentary across the board was always one to sit back and savour. 
Um, but a lot of people forget that he was, for a long, long time, the sound of our surfing summer, our, our beach summer. He was massively into it, and he caught a lot of Ironman series, in, including some pretty wicked boat uh, races, surf boat races as well. I found one, and I'll get you that a little bit later. Uh, that's one of our discussion points this morning. Michael Maguire's official announcement yesterday that he'll be coaching the New South Wales Blues. We're looking for Madge's motto. So our New South Wales listeners have been hitting me up with mottos that Madge can have for the New South Wales campaign for next season and beyond. But what about our Queensland listeners? Have you got a motto that you would like to throw at the New South Wales side and have some fun with it? I mean, I, I just said this morning that Queenslanders just stick with Queenslander. There's not too much to go at. It doesn't matter who's coaching that that sound, that word, that motto, if you like, stay solid. But now we've got a new era at New South Wales and perhaps we need ourselves a new motto for Michael Maguire. So hit me up on that. Lifetime deals for players at your club. So the Penrith Panthers have said, look, you know, we want to have Nathan Cleary here on a lifetime deal and it's a no-brainer. It's almost... It's it's an irrelevant subject to talk about right now in December 2023 because he's been signed until the end of 2027. And he's only 26 years of age. So it's a discussion that they'll have further down the track. But it's an obvious one. What we've done this morning is given you a free ticket for your club. Whoever you support, I'm giving you a free ticket and you get to sign one player on a lifetime deal. We'll sort out all the money and all that stuff later but you get a, a free ticket for a lifetime player deal, who's it going to be? Who at your club would you like to see locked in for life? Don't have to worry about it. Let me know your thoughts on that one. And Australia's test batting lineup as well with some key Sheffield Shield games going on. Selectors will be meeting for the test squads to be announced or squad to be announced for the Pakistan series. That's first up. And the focus straight to the top of the queue with David Warner. So assuming that Australia go down, as Crash Craddock has been reporting, Plan A, and David Warner is selected for the Pakistan series, and therefore all things being equal, farewells, test cricket, with a goodbye match at the SCG, assuming that happens, then what happens for the West Indian series? Now, this we'll hear more and more and more as the weeks go on about who should come in or who should be shuffled up. And Crash has said that plan A is they replace Warner for the West Indian series with Marnus Labuschagne as opener and perhaps bring Cameron Green into number four. Green hit 96 yesterday in the Sheffield Shield. Got uh, out by a brilliant catch on 96, so four short of a century. But he's got his mojo back as well after being, in his words, a bit flat around the Ashes series. Ricky Ponting has thrown Cam Bancroft into his thought process, saying he should be at the front of the queue to replace David Warner. And he's also said we should be thinking somewhere in the mix here about Glenn Maxwell to be considered for tests. Let me know your thoughts on that one. On the text line, let's use the West Indies test as a look at new talent. Um, For the folks who are bashing down the door, I think any team we offer up will beat them. That's right, 100%. Also, Bancroft has paid his dues, essentially, is Jeremy on the text line. Another one says, let's face it, this summer's test cricket will be terrible. Ooh, this is from Matt. At least some Maxwell carnage late in the day would be somewhat entertaining. 
Yeah, look, I'll, look, we know the standard of the opposition and especially the West Indian series and the two tests off the back of that. But this is a chance to see this current test squad together off the back of what they've done. I'm, a, I'm an optimist and I certainly wouldn't be buying a ticket to a test match where I'd be saying, well, this is going to be terrible or sitting down and watching it. I'm going to appreciate it for what it is because you can only beat who's in front of you. So I see what you're saying there, Matt, on that one. But And I also see what you're saying about some Maxwell Carnage uh, late in the day or early in the day, depending on where they decide to put him. So, yeah, there's arguments on both sides of that. And as for the sounds of summer, it's probably been mentioned, he says, but cicadas, yep, it has, absolutely. Um, and that was one of the first ones that jumped up. Good morning, Matt, the sound. <laughs> there it is again. There it is again. Morning, Matt. The sound of summer for me is the sound of my 350 Chev and my Lewis ski boat. Early morning barefoot runs up the Shoalhaven River from Gaz. That's a good sound. Nice and early, and it's bubbling away. Pedro says, sound of summer, somebody saying, yeah, it's a bit warm, and it's 39 degrees. <laughs> yep, I'd agree with that one. Oh, dear. Uh, was the life be in it? campaign. I've got a feeling that this used to roll out around summer to try and get us off our cat. Remember Norm? We've played Slip Slop Slap and we'll play it again for our Brizzy listeners, but we played Slip Slop Slap earlier and that got me thinking about Norm sitting on the bench. Norm, you're not watching the telly again. No, this is educational, Levy. It's all about obesity and how bad it is for you. I'll tell you what, I wouldn't like to catch it. You don't catch Obesity, Norm. Huh? How do you get it then? By eating too much, by eating the wrong things, or by not doing any exercise. So, Uh Libby's all over it. What is obesity exactly? It's getting fat, Norm. Okay, right. So that's the preamble to it, and then they hit the life be in it later on, which I'll play you, but we need to get and talk golf because round two is underway at the Australian Open, so... Those that played at the Lakes yesterday are now playing at the Australian and those that played at the Oz yesterday are playing their second round over at the Lakes. And yesterday, Larry Canning's on the line at the Oz again this morning. G'day, Larry. Yesterday, the the bulk of the good scoring came from the Lakes and the good conditions obviously there, especially in the men's, the bulk of the good scoring. And now we've got Connor Syme, who was one of those who scored well at the Australian, making the most of the lakes this morning. And he's got a couple of shots uh, ahead of yet to tee off Cameron Davis. Yeah, mate. Good morning. How are you, mate? It looks like it's going to, the trend's going to remain, but it's looking like the, the, I didn't think there was going to be much of a difference in early, late or late early, as we always talk about when there's cuts and, and, and you know, back nine, front nine, 10th tee, first tee. Um, it looks like the, the, the players that played late yesterday and early this morning are going to have the better of it because the, apparently the wind's going to get up at the Australian, well, at both courses, to about 20, uh, 25k an hour this afternoon and uh, beginning at about 1.30. So it's, it's not looking... It's going to be tough this hour. So um, yesterday afternoon wasn't quite as bad, about 12 or 14k, but it, it kicked up really late in the afternoon. So it was the best part of the day. The weather was pretty good. Um, but yeah, definitely, it definitely looks like late early is the way to go. And you're seeing it, as you said there, with Connor Simon already finding it through seven over at the lakes. Joachim Neiman, gee, keep an eye on this bloke. He can play his pill. Um, beautiful ground of golf yesterday afternoon in the wind in, in, at, the, at the Australian. At the lakes, he is three under through nine holes. 
um, and a bunch of birdie holes for him to play on the front. And on the front nine's much shorter at the lakes. Um, and with a par five, so you know the the back nine is at the lakes is kind of it's 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 a bit of a toss of the coin. It can be very penal. That's where all the water is. Um, if you're playing your pill beautifully, then you know if you keep it out of the water, you can you can score. But if you don't, you're in trouble. Whereas the front nine is just pretty well straightforward. Absolutely. The Australian, um, sorry mate, you yeah, go on. No, I was just going to say, and you you were probably going there, Lucas Herbert. He's had a ripping start today, so four under for the day. He shot a 68 at the Australian yesterday. He's seven under, so he's uh, four off the pace at the moment. But through nine, so his back nine at the Lakes has been has been fantastic. I mean, there's the one blemish there on 13, but he's absolutely nailed it, and he's turned in 33. So he's got that front nine approaching him. Yeah, Adam Scott. Look at Adam Scott. I don't know where you, can, where you can see it from where you are. He turned in two under and then hold his second shot on the first hole, played the back nine first. So he is now four under for his round and four under for the tournament. And that's played his way back into the cut line, Matt, because even par yesterday at the Oz. And he, and he, look, I watched him play actually the last three or four, five holes and didn't really miss a shot, but the wind was really swirling and it just got him up two or three times. He had a few bogeys coming in late. Um, so he shot even par, and that was outside the cut line yesterday, but four under today at the Lakes uh, with seven holes to go on the front nine. Um, it sounds complicated, but it, it, it was, you know, if you're a non-golfer, it probably sounds very complicated, but it's not really. I mean, the, the Lakes is two, two almost different golf courses, and the Australian is the same all, all over, just long yeah. and brutal. You know? <laughs> it's 300 <laughs> yards longer, the Australian, and it's a par 71. Um, par 72, 300 yards shorter is the Lakes. So, you know... I guess when you compare it like this, you realise the difference in all the courses, uh, in these these two in particular. And given the rain, I think when the lakes firms up and the wind blows, it defends itself, Matt, yeah, because the, the greens aren't receptive. They're undulating and the, you can tuck the pins away in little plateaus and you can't get to them if it's firm. But if it's soft and, and, the, and there's no wind, the, the, the boys can hit it within a yard of their metres. They know exactly how far the ball's going to go and they can just drop it in these little areas and and it'll stop for them. So that's why the lakes is, is being churned up. Um, we won't, probably won't see it at its, at its nastiest because we finished there today. And, of course, Saturday, Sunday, it's, it's played the Australian for everyone. Okay, Cameron Smith. So he's got a, a midday local time start. So, oh, wow. And he's got, yeah. a big, he's got a big job ahead of him, doesn't he, Larry? Because he, he fired a, a 71 job, yesterday. Yeah, so one under. A couple went into the water there. He, he's trying to get this thing back on track with the pressure that's around him and seems to be in a bit of headspace after the, after the Australian PGA. But he, he's going to have to use all of his golfing smarts. I mean, if we just put it straight back down to his talent, skill and business and what he does mm. with a golf club in hand, he's going to have to use all of that today to make sure that he's there on the weekend. Look, he can do it. We know how good he is. But you don't win the British Open if you can't play on a tough dog at St Andrews, for goodness sake. You don't get you don't get to do that unless you can really play. And you can play and he can play under the most severe pressure. This is a different type of pressure. And I, and we've talked about it, Matt, about the how how emotionally he was after missing the cut, playing so badly at the PGA how it let Australia down. Uh, and so much more pressure. It's not it's not for, for the want of winning the tournament, it's not for the want of the money that's involved in winning it. It's, it's all about pride and, and what, what, it means, what it means to him to come back to Australia and perform in front of his home crowd. I, I, I touched on this with, um, with someone else the other day. When, when he went to live, um, you know, he became the world's most popular golfer too, sort of half. You know, half a lot of people 
hate live, and, and, and some of the players even got on his, on his back about it, the media, about going to live for all that money, selling himself out and all that sort of stuff. Um, but when he came back to Australia last year, when he first went to, when he turned up at the at Royal Queensland, we're all wondering how the fans and the public were going to treat him having gone to live. And it was just uh, Cam Smith as normal. He was adored. Um, so Australia really do embrace him. He knows that. And he knows his responsibility now in the game. It's kind of taken over from the Adam Scott role, if you like, where he comes to Australia. He feels he needs to perform for Australian golf because Australian golf's given him so much. That's the pressure he's under this afternoon. It's a unique pressure for him. And the women's, Jenny Shin leads the way. So she's through nine holes, uh, a two under for the day so far. So she's got a two-shot lead at eight under over Rachel Lee, who's a great story, who fired a great round yesterday at 67. And she's got a a half-past one start Sydney time. So there's there's a bit, a lot to play out on the the women's side. Yeah, uh, Rachel Lee. Jenny Shin, very seasoned campaigner, plays on the LPGA Tour. Has won there. It was a while ago. So eight under par. She's experienced. She's playing the soft morning at the lakes. Um, again, put this in perspective. Rachel has to play the tough Australian in the afternoon. She's not off to 133, the poor kid. She must be, God, beside herself with nerves. Um, she's, she's, she's pretty good. So I, I was talking to, to um, Heath Canning, who's the, um, the junior development officer for um, Talent Pathway, I should say, Talent Pathway manager for Jack Newton Junior Golf. Rachel's a part of that. Uh, and she said, he said, look, he, she, she's one of those girls that she, she's ticking all the boxes. She's coming along nicely. She wants to improve. Heath has caddied for her a couple of times. And he said they, they play a lot of match play, Matt. And whenever they win a match, and which is normally the case with Rachel, she goes straight to Heath and says, now, how can I improve? What, I won four and three, but can I win five and four, six and five? How do I get better? So she's, she's really keen to improve. Uh, and and she's, she, when she rises up, rises up a level, she's not overawed by it. This, this is this is rarefied air, though. This trying to hope this is back before us. So, um, you know, I, I, one thirty-three this afternoon with the wind up. You know, good luck. She's she, she's clearly good enough player to to accomplish uh, whatever she wants to. Hundred percent. Good on you, Larry. I reckon you got a really interesting day. I mean, a great weekend ahead. But today's going to be fascinating yeah. the way that it plays it out. Thanks for your time, mate. Thanks, Matt. Cheers, mate. Larry Canning joining us there. Um, very, very great with his time with our show in particular. I love, as I've said quite often, talking golf with him. But I think that's the story of the day, just how how crazy it could be in terms of those jostling for position here because everything changes. If you're at the Oz yesterday, you're at the Lakes today. And if you started yesterday on the back nine, you'll probably start on the front nine. If you started in the afternoon, you're probably starting in the morning. Everything is, is upside down and topsy-turvy. And then you've got the pressure of, say, what Cam Smith is trying to do, make the cut. Minwoo Lee's going to start at midday local time on the Australian course after a 67 yesterday. So he's five under the card. Adam Scott's making a massive move this morning. Four under for the day. He's four under for the tournament. Travis Smith is four under. Lucas Herbert, as I mentioned, four under for the day this is. Seven under for the tournament. And Connor Syme um, continues to just push away at the front. And then the women's, Jenny Shin out there at eight under. Two back is Rachel Lee. Jaya Shin at five under. And then Sarah Hammett and Steph Kiriakou at four under. Some have started, some haven't. Some are on the lake, some are on the Australian. Pretty interesting stuff. 
Uh, thanks to Larry Kenning for that one. Lifetime deals. So you've got a lifetime deal to hand to one player at your club. A couple of quick texts before we go to the break. Matt, for the Roosters, I would like to sign Joey Marno to a lifetime deal. That's from Stretch from Forries, and a couple of other Roosters supporters have said exactly the same thing. Matty, lifetime player Cam Murray. If his body can hold up, he'll play for another 10-plus years. He'll never change to another club. The only way he might change is to go to rugby. Bold statement, he'll be the greatest ever Souths player or top three when he's finished. That one from Nick on our text line. Well, without to try and get him away from rugby, Nick, that's why we're giving you a lifetime deal. <laughs> I'm giving it to you. The NRL's not. 21 minutes after the hour. Happy birthday to the king this morning. The great Wally Lewis uh, sharing this birthday with another rugby league legend, birth date with another rugby league legend in Bob Fulton, both born on the 1st of December. So Wally turned 64 today. Bozo would have been 76 years of age today, passed away back in 2021. So happy birthday to you, King, um, and we wish you all the very best. Now, speaking of sounds of summer and, and legends like Wally, uh, somebody on our text line threw out the legend that was Daryl Eastlake. And you'll probably, I mean, we could pick any of any of Daryl's commentary across any sports. <laughs> but our listeners said, what about in Ironman, when he used to commentate a lot of the surfboat races in particular in Australian Ironman, we found this little snippet um, from way back when, surfboats. They're dead stone last, but it doesn't mean too much at the moment. Now, the Gold Coast have seen an opening. He's rolling them. He's going to hit this at pace. He's doing the right thing right on the sucky bank. Here he goes, punches through the first one. But look at the second one that's going to hit him. And there's one behind that as well. He's got 700 kilos of boat there, and he's got to try and keep boat speed. He's trying desperately to keep the boat speed up, but he's gone backwards. Oh, that bank is looking so hard. Now, there's McKinless and the Marlins. <laughs> They were dead last. Now he's so that just takes you, it out. takes you way back. But just that sound, too, in the distance, that sound of the beach and the waves rolling in and the drama that was unfolding and Big Daryl uh, up in the saddle calling that one. Here's, here's one from a commercial sense before we get to our next news break. Do you remember the McCain ads? Ah, McCain, you've done it again. And this one was... A definite sound of summer. But the way that they did it was the kids sitting on the roof, they're in the outback, but the kids are sitting on the roof and they're munching into the McCain super juicy corn. And they're so super juicy that it's actually spitting out enough juice to sound like the heaviest of heavy summer rain. Yeah, let's have a listen to this. Super juicy corn cobbets, specially grown to be super juicy. So juicy, they're simply bursting with flavor. Ah, McCain, you've done it again. <laughs> so it's the sound of of the juice hitting the top of the roof there, and bang, 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 and that that is a sound of summer. Matt says sounds of summer: kids crying and screaming in crowded shopping malls and supermarkets. <laughs> Come on, mate, keep it up. Keep it up, vibed and interesting is another sound of something Billy Birmingham used to say so well. We need to get ourselves to the SEN newsroom. We'll continue to follow the Australian Open golf 
of course. Uh, we'll be talking cricket along the way with the WBBL final coming our way tomorrow. And Ashley Nofke from the Brisbane Heat will join us about that. Uh, happy birthday to the King this morning. The great Wally Lewis uh, sharing this birthday with another rugby league legend. Birth date with another rugby league legend in Bob Fulton, both born on the 1st of December. So Wally turned 64 today. Bozo would have been 76 years of age today, passed away back in 2021. So happy birthday to you, King, um, and we wish you all the very best. Now, speaking of sounds of summer and and legends like Wally, uh, somebody on our text line threw out the legend that was Daryl Eastlake. And you'll probably, I mean, we could pick any of, any of Daryl's commentary across any sports. <laughs> but our listeners said, what about in Ironman when he used to commentate a lot of the surf boat races in particular in Australian Ironman? We found this little snippet um, from way back when, surf boats. They're dead stone last, but doesn't mean too much at the moment. Now, the Gold Coast have seen an opening. He's rolling them. He's going to hit this at pace. He's doing the right thing right on the sucky bank. Here he goes, punches through the first one. But look at the second one that's going to hit him. And there's one behind that as well. He's got 700 kilos of boat there, and he's got to try and keep boat speed. He's trying desperately to keep the boat speed up, but he's gone backwards. Oh, that bank is looking so hard. Now, there's McKinless and the Marlins. <laughs> they were dead last. Now so he's that just takes you, it out. takes what? you way back. But just that sound, too, in the distance, that sound of the beach and the waves rolling in and the drama that was unfolding and Big Daryl up in the saddle calling that one. Here's here's one from a commercial sense before we get to our next news break. Do you remember the McCain ads? Ah, McCain, you've done it again. And this one was a definite sound of summer. But the way that they did it was the kids sitting on the roof, they're in the outback, but the kids are sitting on the roof and they're munching into the McCain super juicy corn. And they're so super juicy that it's actually spitting out enough juice to sound like the heaviest of heavy summer rain. Yeah, let's have a listen to this. Super juicy corn cobbets, specially grown to be super juicy. So juicy, they're simply bursting with flavor. Ah, McCain, you've done it again. <laughs> so it's the sound of of the juice hitting the top of the roof there, and bang, 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 and that that is the sound of summer. Matt says, sounds of summer, kids crying and screaming in crowded shopping malls and supermarkets. <laughs> Come on, mate, keep it up. Keep it up, vibed and interesting is another sound of Sammy Billy Birmingham used to say so well. We need to get ourselves to the SEN newsroom. We'll continue to follow the Australian Open golf, of course. Uh, we'll be talking cricket along the way with the WBBL final coming our way tomorrow. And Ashley Nofke from the Brisbane Heat will join us about that. Thank you, Vanessa. Uh, it's time to talk cricket, of course, as we mentioned. The WBBL final comes down to the Adelaide Oval tomorrow night. So for the Brisbane Heat, they've done it the long way. And one more victory would secure an amazing title, especially at the back end of the season. Ashley Nofke is on the line, head coach of the Brisbane Heat uh, in the WBBL. G'day, Ash. Hey, how are you going? I'm good, thanks. How are you? And how's the team feeling ahead of tomorrow night at the Adelaide Oval? Oh, team's going good. We, we got into Adelaide yesterday and... Um, 
we, uh, we yeah we uh, just settled in this morning and um, we're actually off to the beach right now to, to stretch stretch the legs and have a good swim. It's interesting, mate. We've been talking about sounds of summer this morning, so you've just given us a really good snapshot straight away. You turn up to Adelaide, you go down to the beach and you get yourself relaxed. As a coach, especially the way that the finals have panned out for you and that you've had to go the long way around, how important is it for you to make sure that your squad is is relaxed when they need to be and then super switched on when they've got to be? Well, you know, that's a really good question, but it's the art of coaching, I guess. I, I think we're all sort of um, looking for those answers in terms of how uh, how they go about it. But at the end of the day, I think uh, you just sort of got to read the read the room a little bit, uh, in essence, and, and see what the girls need at what time. So, um, you know, we've been really lucky uh, in terms of flying to Perth, um, even though it was a long trip. Uh, you know, we love playing there, the way the ball comes on and, and the opposition that we came up against had to do the same trip. So, you know, at the end of the day, it was a it was an equal playing field, to be fair. Um, mm. and, and we come out and played some great cricket. What about your season leading into the finals run? I mean, WBBL is, is so fast. It happens so quickly and you're on the road. And if you start to slip up, you can go out the back door pretty quickly. But you end up in third overall. And like you say, you, you've got to get through the Thunder. Uh, and then you've got to get through the Perth Scorchers on your way to this one. So... One more match to go. Your reflection on the season, especially leading into the finals itself. Um, leading in, obviously, there's always ups and downs, isn't there? Um, I think every team's had one uh, along the way. Even even the strikers have had their little little downs at times. Um, you know, it's a long season. Uh, Fourteen uh, round robin matches uh, in old school speak. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, uh, it, it, it's uh, it's a long season, so. Um, you know, to stay up for that a length of time is really difficult. So you just got to learn from the, the little bits that you get wrong along the way and, and don't overstress about them. Um, you know, uh, be aware, have a, you know, review them, but, but don't get stuck. Do you talk about the reset factor? Because you're playing knockouts, you get into the finals, but you're playing knockouts the whole way, aren't you? So <laughs> once you get the first one done... Are you talking about resetting for the second one and then trying to, t- you know, it's the old one game at a time cliche, but do you talk about the fact that it th- 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 this is it? This is a completely different game to the one that we played in Perth and the one that we played the night before in Perth? Yeah, you know, perfect setup for the one game at a time, you know, try <laughs> to keep it really simple, all that sort of stuff, you know. Um, to be honest, mate, we've been around each other for a, for a long time. You know, it's been, um, you know, n- nearly eight weeks, uh, you tend to your messages are really clear and simple by this time. Um, you know, it comes down to action for us. Um, you know, and we all sort of sat around in a room and said, you know, it's enough enough talking now. It's time to get on to action and get the job done. So, uh, I really love the sense of where the girls are at and where they've um, where they've taken the group. And and we've got a really strong uh, sense of heartbeat in our leadership group that are uh, you know standing forward and, and being the main voice, which is really cool. What about the Adelaide Strikers? So they've been sitting back and watching you crisscross the country and now they've got you uh, at their home ground and they're looking for back-to-back WBBL titles. So they know, yeah, they know that, it's, that it's a big job for you to come and beat them. So how, how do you take down Adelaide tomorrow night? Oh, we just got to play good cricket. I think that's pretty simple. I think you start thinking outside of anything else. I mean, you know, the Strikers are a, a great cricket team. They've proven that over the last couple of seasons and... 
Um, you know, they're, they're, they're just as tight as we are. So, you know, we've got to come out and play some really good cricket up front, set, set the tone for ourselves and, uh, and back ourselves at awkward moments. There's going to be some really swinging moments uh, during the game and, you know, it's, it's who holds their nerve longest, uh, essentially, in, in T20 cricket. So, um, you know, we're all really looking forward to it. Uh, the girls are absolutely pumped and, you know, to be honest, momentum going our way after playing two really good, great games against Thunder and Scorchers, who are good teams in themselves. Yeah. Which beach are you heading to? Are you heading to Glenelg or... Oh, I'm, you know, Mark Sorrell's driving at the moment. So, uh, you know, given that he's uh, an old uh, Adelaide boy, you know, sometimes you just got to, sometimes you just got to be su- uh, surprised. You know, uh, just, you just go, go where the car goes. <laughs> hey, mate, you're much safer going to the beaches in Adelaide than you were in Perth, weren't you? You've got to be really careful about jumping in the water over there. But um, <laughs> different scenario. Thanks for your time this morning. Enjoy your day off today or the morning off, uh, and best of luck tomorrow night. Congratulations on the season so far. Appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks very much, guys. Appreciate it. The Brisbane Heat taking on the Adelaide Strikers, so it's come down to that one match, Adelaide Oval, tomorrow night. The Heat have now won their last three on the trot, so two in the finals and the one before that. And the run into the finals that Ashley was just referencing there, they lost three straight. So drop, drop, drop matches, and then one, one, one matches, including the two that they absolutely had to win, which was the eliminator, then the challenger. The strikers looking to go back to back. And the last team to do that was the Brisbane Heat. This is the Strikers' third straight final, so it'll be a big one tomorrow night at the Adelaide Oval. 0457 736 736. Just on cricket, the Redcliffe Rooster says, I understand people wanting to blood new players, but you don't just hand out baggy greens to the best players, play the rest. Um, Try and get there, prove it from state and other competitions, but you don't hand test baggy greens just to give people a go. Um... And that's sort of that's sort of it. There's a little bit there, but it's come through a little bit wobbly, red cliff rooster. But look, I agree with you. I, I don't think that they'd be blooding new players in what we've heard so far. I mean, Cameron Bancroft's been there before. We know that. Um, Cameron Green is going to continue to be there. We know that. Glenn Maxwell has been there before. He's certainly not blooding a new player. I just wondered, the Glenn Maxwell one's interesting. I I don't know what they're going to do with their thought process around what happens at the top of the order Um, because we'll have to wait and see what they do for the Pakistan series first. And then, as we discussed on this program a couple of days ago, does it come down to a selection move or a reshuffle? And a reshuffle is kind of different in this scenario. When you're looking at blooding other players, I totally agree with you. You don't hand out baggy greens at all. You've got to earn a baggy green. And I would dare say that pretty much everyone who's ever had a baggy green has earned it along the way. But the Glenn Maxwell one, does he earn the right to come back into test cricket? Is he a different player this time around? You're not blooding a new player at all there. But I, my ears pricked up when I saw and heard Ricky Ponting talking about that one. Adam says Cameron Green's form for Australia has been that poor um, that one good shield innings shouldn't be enough for a recall. Well, what else else can he do? Because he hasn't played... They replaced him with Mitch Marsh at the back end of the Ashes series there. 
And by his own admission, he was flat in that series. So what else can he do for red ball cricket than to go out and score 96? Because that's what they're asking Cam Bancroft to do in different scenario, yes, but that's what they're asking Bancroft to do. It's what they're asking um, Marcus Harris what to do. It's what they're asking everybody who's in the frame to come back into the test team or break into the test team to do. So it's really, really interesting. And we've got to remember, too, they've said that Cameron Green's a generational player. He's there for the long, long haul. 1,075 runs in test cricket, Cam Green, with an average of 33.596 half centuries. I was there at the SCG calling it when he collected his first and a century along the way. Cam Green's going to be in that Australian setup for a long, long time. So if they ask him to go and have one good innings, I don't know what else he can do. Um, but thank you for that one. 0457 736 736. Some lifetime player shouts. We've got plenty of those. I've given you a free ticket for a lifetime deal. Uh, Dan says, honestly, I'd go for Sam Walker or Reese Walsh for their lifetime deals. Jacob Preston gets quite a few shouts. Um, Dogs for Life, says Lionel. Madge's motto, we've got some of those. So we'll do all of that. Check our scores from Sheffield Shield and golf as well on this Friday morning. That issue around Netball Australia may reach ahead today. Uh, There will be yet another meeting, as we told you yesterday when we caught up with Emma Greenwood from Code Sports about this standoff between the Australian Netball Players Association and Netball Australia itself. Now, the players have accused... Netballers Australia have basically having a publicity stunt by putting out what they believed was a fair offer last time around. Now, one of the big points, aside from the fact that they haven't been played for paid for eight weeks, one of the big points is around the revenue share model and what that looks like and where that money comes from and how much money they're asking for and a percentage of the above budgeted revenue that the players are seeking. There was a slight reference to it in the pay deal put forward to them and some back pay along the way. But we've had legal threats as well and Netball Australia are going to try and resolve it today. The ANPA rejected the offer put forward to them. They had 21 resolutions that they wanted solved and according to them, they got nothing more than a publicity stunt. So it's it's at that perhaps critical juncture today and we'll see what comes out of that meeting because it's not pretty. And remember that Liz Ellis in particular was one who questioned essentially the governing body's uh, right, if you like, or position to be able to rule and administer the sport if they can't get to a point where they can pay the players. Sounds pretty simple and structure a deal that is equitable and fair for both sides. So they're going to work out that nitty-gritty, but the revenue share proposal seems to be at the core of all of this in terms of how they're going to move on and try and get a deal done. We've seen it before, and there's still a fair bit to play out. Connor Syme has dropped a shot at the Australian Men's Open as he completes his back nine at the Lakes. So he ended up with a bogey on the 18th after four birdies along the way. The Scotsman leads at 10 under as he heads towards the front nine at the Lakes. And Cameron Davis has still got another hour 
um, and a bit before he will tee off at nine under. Some of the other movers, Lucas Herbert. Well, Joachim Neiman has gained three strokes today. He's at eight under the card. Lucas Herbert and Sam Jones are both four under for the day. Adam Scott is one to watch. He's rapidly climbing. So he is five under for the day and therefore five under for the tournament because he started this morning at even with the card. And he's playing the Lakes today. So he's done this this morning. Started on the back nine with a par and then a bogey. Then par, par. Uh, sorry, he started with a birdie, I should say. So he's gone birdie, bogey, and then a couple of pars, and then two more birdies to finish his back nine. And then he started the front nine at the Lakes with an eagle and backed it up with another birdie on the fourth. So Adam Scott's on the charge. He's five under, which is five shots off the pace. He's made up 62 positions today already with still a whole stack of players to tee off. But he's making the most of the early conditions at the Lakes before the wind perhaps picks up. He's through 13 of his holes. And uh, let's see how far Adam Scott can end up up the chain, so to speak. Um, Cameron Smith will start at minus one. His tee time is not until later on this afternoon, midday local time. So he's got a big job ahead of him in a tie for 59 at the moment, trying to make the cut. So remember, they've got one more day of playing both courses and then it'll all go to the Australian across the weekend. In the women's, Jenny Shin through 10 holes. Um, the Korean golfer is eight under par. Rachel Lee yet to tee off. The young Australian amateur at minus six. Ashley Buhai from South Africa is at five under along with Jaya Shin. And then we've got Sarah Hammett and Steph Kiriakou at four under in the women's. Minji Lee yet to tee off. She will start at three under. And Grace Kim has already teed off. She's through 12 holes and is at three under as well. So that's the story at the Australian Open Golf. Uh, 0457736736 is my number. We'll do our top tips with Chris Nelson in our next hour, but somebody here on the text line has given us a tip. My boss's horse is running tomorrow at Rose Hill, and it's also our work Christmas party. That's pretty impressive. So why don't we have our work Christmas party at the races? And by the way, I've got a horse running. Smart boss, Dan. Everyone's going to be looking to him, and if it gets up, dead set, he or she... Your boss will be jumping through hoops because, as you rightly point out, the tip or the horse itself is in race ten, so not a, it's the last, so you have to go the distance, and it is number six, which is Liberty Sun, and as you say, paying fifty one dollars at the moment. Remember, what are you really gambling with? But wow, if that delivers, Dan, your boss is an absolute. Genius. Not only that and taking you there, but also delivering along the way. The all-ability scoring at the golf. Lachlan Wood is one under in the tournament through seven holes. So he leads in a pairing with, uh, rather at the top of the leaderboard, in a tie with Tommaso Perino. So the Italian and then Cameron Pollard is the next best Aussie in that field where We've got uh, 12 or 14, maybe 16 players in total there. So one under in the lead at the moment. Then Cameron Pollard is at even. And those uh, players are through seven holes this morning after the first round yesterday. So all going on at the Australian Open. Tips coming up. Lifetime, uh, lifetime contracts, if you could do it for your rugby league club, 
who would it be? And sounds, well, Steve's given us a couple of smells of summer. Living in the bush, he said, I've got three smells. Rain, cut grass and onions on the NBA. <laughs> okay. And then this one from Yak, the Hills Mutt, says, sounds of summer, absolutely the petrol mower. Nick, there it is. Yep, the kids running amok by the pool. That's a great sound of summer. We're back after this. Welcome back to the program. Final hour on this Friday morning as we're kicking off the summer with the sounds and smells of summer. Uh, Leanne from Tamworth threw out a really good one. So it wasn't just about sport. Well, although this one does roll into sport, it was anything outside of that. And you've you've put in the Tui's ads, which we've done before, but also the great song from Sherbet. I mean, how, how can you go through summer without hearing something like this? Yeah, nicely, Anne. Nice. There's summer right there. And when I read Steve's text, it's funny these text messages, sometimes they, they get a bit garbled along the way. He says, I had three smells of summer rain, cut grass. And I'm like, yeah. And then you went, onions on the NBA. And I'm like, onions on the NBA? Okay. So onions on the barbecue. Um, Maddie and Knucklehead. Like, he, he, the funny thing is some of these text messages, you get a chance to read them and then read them out. Others, you just... You know, you go, right, I'm just going to dive in here and blur out it comes. And onions on the NBA. In fact, one morning what I reckon we should do is we'll get you, <laughs> we'll get you to send text messages in, kind of like that, that I have to try and decipher. Yep, for that one. Where you purposely garble it. And then I've got to try and work out what you're saying. I, I reckon I'd go close. Um but it happens quite often. And then sometimes we get text messages where on this system because it just gets overloaded with text messages because so many people texting us that um, sometimes it sort of gets halfway through and then goes some text missing. So you get to your really good point and I read it out and I go, I don't know what the rest is. So there's a little bit of an insight into our world and how that plays out just sometimes, absolutely sometimes. Did you hear in the news that Athletics Australia has taken aim at Dan Andrews for cancelling the 2026 Commonwealth Games. So we know how all of this played out. And the state that the Commonwealth Games are in at the moment, which is no state, no country, no state, no games. Nothing's happening except for earning interest on the compensation that the Victorian government had to pay them for saying we're not going to do the games and earning good interest on the 380 mil that they're getting for nothing doing nothing. So there's a parliamentary inquiry into all of this and in a submission, Athletics Australia said the move had caused immeasurable upheaval for athletes across the country in Victoria and Australia as well as the Commonwealth Games is immeasurable, says the submission with a blatant disregard for the significant logistic, emotional, financial and reputational damage that was caused which is all fair but all in the past, unfortunately. The submission states that the cancellation had a devastating impact on the sport and the Commonwealth Games brand, and it said that it may never recover from. And I'd agree with that. Here's what it said in that submission. The Commonwealth Games brand may never recover from this episode, and in that, hundreds of past athletes who have competed in the green and gold for Australia with pride 
will now experience a diminished public perception on the value of their performances in this event. Don't agree with that. Do not agree with that. If you run into somebody who has won a Commonwealth Games gold medal or represented Australia at a Commonwealth Games and the Com Games no longer exist, is that going to diminish your perception on the value of their performance in that event? All very wordy stuff. Now, I get where they're going, but why on earth you'd put that in there, I don't understand. And if I was a Commonwealth Games athlete, I'd be more angry at that going in there. Athletics Australia said it believed the impact of the cancellation would be felt by those involved in the Brisbane Olympic Games. None of these impacts will be just confined to Victoria, which is spot on there. And the body listed the reputation of Victoria and Australia as an event host. (sighs) The disruption of a return of a regular four-year competition cycle for Australia's elite, elite athletes and loss of a structural pathway for the next generation of Australian athletes trying to break through in international competition. Yes, there are absolute concerns about the international pathways, and I don't think that there's a recognition that's strong enough that says that the Commonwealth Games have been absolutely critical. While they're in our little world, they've been critical for our athletes to represent Australia on an international stage, and get used to big tournaments, and they've been critical as a pathway for Olympic Games. And in this case, they would have been, absolutely, for Brisbane 2032. But the reputation of Victoria and Australia as an event host, that's an aside, in my opinion. And let's not forget the role of the Commonwealth Games in all of this, the Games themselves. They allowed it to get to this point. And they allowed it to get to a point where the model that they put forward, that they agreed to, under Victoria's proposal, was broken before they even got to have a crack at it. And not only that, it put the Commonwealth Games in a perilous position thereafter. Did anyone at the Commonwealth Games Federation say, hang on a second, what happens if these guys pull out? What happens if this regional model doesn't work? What happens if people actually wake up and go, cost of living crisis is making me hard to get petrol in my car, yet we're prepared to spend billions of dollars on another event? Did anyone ask that question? And I would, I would absolutely say to you the answer to that is no. What the Commonwealth Games Federation have been doing have been throwing out all of these wonderful slide presentations saying this is the future and this is the way that we could go and anyone wants to be a part of it, you can be... And away we go. So the reputational damage of Victoria and Australia and all of this is a separate part. Saying that because it's more likely that the Commonwealth Games won't survive this, that it causes a diminished perception of those Commonwealth Games athletes, I think is a slap in the face to Commonwealth Games athletes. Full stop. They're trying to make a point, but I don't look at a Com Games athlete and say, you know what, Ah, your games don't exist anymore, you won a gold medal back at Brisbane, I go, well done. You've represented Australia. You've beaten the best on the day. You got to that level. You should be really proud of that, not the other way. It's just another chapter in the sorry saga that is the Commonwealth Games at the moment, and we don't know where the future is going to be. Athletics Australia are banging their fist on the table, And they're putting that blame to Victoria, and rightfully so. 
But I think also somebody needs to put under the microscope here the role of the Commonwealth Games in all of this itself. And why on earth these questions weren't asked and therefore answered before they got what they got, which was a state that said, we're bailing out. Because on the way in, guess what? They got themselves a political partnership. On the way out, they got a political exit. And here they are in limbo land yet again. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is my open line number or 0457 736 736. Time to talk racing on this Friday morning. We're going to feature or take a good look at Doombin and Rose Hill for tomorrow with the George Moore Stakes, the feature at Doombin and the return of Rothfire. Chris Nelson's on the line. Good morning to you, Chris. How are you feeling about this weekend? Good morning, Matt. Uh, well, I'm a little bit worried, as I was last week, with what the weather's going to do. Uh, both tracks, uh, Rose Hill and Doombin, are soft sevens this morning. But I know in Brisbane we're expecting a storm every day for about the next four or five, so anything's possible this afternoon. And looking at the forecast for Sydney, there's showers forecast today and tomorrow as well. So I don't think we're going to get a dry track at either venue, and we'll just have to wait and see how it all uh, turns out in the morning. But I've got a fair idea we'll be on a soft seven or a heavy eight. Okay. As I mentioned, the feature at uh, Doombin will be the George Moore Stakes, but we'll start at Rose Hill. So let's start race three at Rose Hill tomorrow. Yeah, I like this uh, Tavi time. I'm talking about number seven here. Uh, a lightly raced uh, Tavistock Gelding. Uh, he was very impressive winning at Newcastle there on Hunter Day. Uh, that was a couple of weeks ago. He just uh, jogged into the race at the top of the straight and away he went and he won by almost three lengths. And, and that backed up a good first run at, uh, at uh, Ramwick on the Kensington track where he didn't see a lot of room in the straight. Sort of restricted room for him, but he still made good ground. Uh, his form last prep was very strong. Uh, he's had two goes on soft for two wins. I think he can win again, Tabby Time. I think he's the best of the day at Rose Hill. That's race three, number seven, Tabby Time. All right, best of the day. What about the country classic race six over 2,000 metres? Well, we see Matt Dunn win these highway races uh, every, uh, every, pretty much every week. Well, he's got one going around here in the country classic, and that is number four, Eaglemont. He did have a couple of acceptors. The other one's been scratched. But Eaglemont is a horse that's just crying out for 2,000 metres. Uh, he hasn't been over the trip for some time. And you, if you look at his uh, videos or his sectionals, he's always so strong late. Uh, he didn't have a lot of luck in the uh, the little dance at Ramwick there on the 7th of November. He ran six there, beaten 3.3. Uh, but his other runs had all been good. And he did win at Eagle Farm two back strong at the end of 1,600 metres. So he's one up to 2,100 metres. He's one on uh, soft and he's placed on heavy, and I think that trip will suit him. Nashville Willow will ride him cold and look for him to be storming down the outside. We can back him each way. Eaglemont, race six, number four. Okay, race seven. If you take a look at race seven, a couple of scratchings out of that one, we take out numbers one, 10, 15, 16 as well. So that brings 17 and 18 into the mix. If you take out the, the top three, you could find some value here if you're prepared to go against uh, Grabeni, or Rustic Steel, or Fine Point? Well, I'm going with Fine Point. So not exactly the best value, but Gia, I think that she looks really well placed here. She's had one run this time in. She ran third in the hot Danish behind Roots, and she sat three wide that day, and she was only beaten three lengths. That was a very good effort. Uh, look, at her best, she's, she's pretty good, and she likes to roll forward here. I think she'll be able to do that, certainly, from gate number one. She's one on heavy. She's placed three of five on soft. And her form last preparation uh, in stronger races was quite okay. 
uh, going around in the uh, Group 1, Queen of the Turf, Group 3, Dark Jewel, and other, other features, uh, the Group 2, Dane Ripper at Eagle Farm. She might have finished down the track numerically, but she wasn't far away. So I think Fine Point's a lovely race for her second up. That's race seven, number five. Okay, let's go to Doombin and 10 races on the card tomorrow. Race two is the Eagle Way, and all eyes will be on, you reckon, Felix the Scat, number two. Well, I don't know. Look, I think he's got a really good chance here. He's now with Tony Gollan, and he's had two runs for the stable. They've both been quite okay. But the one I like here is number one in Coda. Now, a lot of these horses, or pretty much all of them, come out of the same race, and that was at the Sunshine Coast a couple of weeks ago, over 1,600 metres. They go to 2,000, the whole lot of them, for the first time. Uh, Encoda was the one that was finishing off strongly. Early in the straight, he was last. He was hooked to the outside, and he was beaten less than a length on the line. He was the one that was hitting the line stronger than any other runner. The query is the wet ground, but if he gets through it okay, I think he's the one to beat. So race two, number one, Encoda for me. Okay, race two, number one, as we go to race four, over 1,200. Yeah, number three here. I'm very confident about this one, Defiant Spirit. Now, only lightly raced, also raced at that meeting at the Sunshine Coast two weeks ago. I thought would take a sit in that race from the inside draw because there was a lot of speed on paper, uh, but Ryan Maloney kicked up and actually led. And in the end, uh, all those leaders did go hard and they were run over late by Outweighed, who remains uh, unbeaten. I think this time around you'll find Defiant Spirit will take a trail. Up to 1,200 metres suits nicely. Quite a ride here. And you know that he's going to finish off if you look at his form last preparation. I think he's promising. I know the stable will have a big opinion of him. And I think he'll be able to bounce back tomorrow. So race four, number three, Defiant Spirit, one of the best bets of the day. All right. A little bit harder, you reckon, for race number seven? No. I think this is one of the best bets ah, of the day too, Matty. Beauty. And that is number three. That is number three of bounding. Uh, Rob Heathcote, Martin Harley combined here. Now, this is a filly who just drew, drew horrible gates all last preparation. And she resumed at Dooman back on the 28th of uh, October. And she again drew a very poor gate. She drew 10 of 10. But he was able to get her across Martin Harley into the 1-1 position. And when they hit the top of the straight, he just pushed the button and away she went. She's very, very smart. She's had a trial since. She was ridden out the back. She was asked for no effort whatsoever. Don't put any weight into that trial. Uh, she can get a lovely spot here from a good gate, finally. And I think she's the one to beat again. So race seven, number three, abounding the second best bet of the day. Okay, so the George Moore Stakes is over 1,200. The return, like I said, of Rothfire after a 64-day spell. Zoo Styles there. We take out number 5 and 10, Rocketing Buyer and F Troop. Not running in this one. So what are you thinking about the George Moore? Yeah, really good race. Tony Gollan's got five in it at this stage. Uh, look, the track conditions could be all important because Rob Heathcote has said if it's a heavy track, he probably will scratch Rothfire. So we'll have to see what happens in the morning. I'm going to go with the stable, mate, each way, but strictly each way. And I know he's not the best horse in the race, but he's probably the most consistent. And that's number six, the big goodbye. He was the Ramorny winner back in uh, July. He resumed at the Sunshine Coast in the Swiss Ace behind the Tuno, beaten three lengths. He didn't get much of a crack at him until late, but when he did get into the clear, he finished that race off strongly. Thousands not his go, 1,200 is. He'll go forward, he'll probably stalk Rothfire and Zoo style, and he'll get every possible chance in the straight. He loves the wet ground. He loves every sort of going. He's just a very, very consistent horse. So each way, race eight, number six, the big goodbye. Good on you, Chris. Have a great weekend, mate. You too, Matty. All the best. Chris Nelson joining us there. Uh, don't forget what are you really gambling with for free and confidential support. Call one 858 858 
or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. So just quickly for you, Rose Hill, race three, number seven. Race six, number four. And race seven, number five. For Doombin, race two, number one. Race four, number three. Race seven, number three. And race eight, number six. Uh, it is approaching 20 minutes after 11 o'clock for my Sydney listeners, 20 past 10. For those on 693 in Brizzy, after the break, some developing news, it seems, around John Rahm and Live Golf. So it appears as though there may be a deal that has been done there, and that will, again, tip the world of golf on its head. So we'll do that after this break. Welcome back. Now, back to golf. Before that, a quick score update from the Australian Open. Connor Syme, the Scotsman, leads at 10 under. Cameron Davis... An hour away from teeing off. Jochen Neiman is up to eight under through 13 holes of his this morning. Lucas Herbert is there at seven under. He's having a good day, four under for the day. And Sam Jones, exactly the same, seven under for the tournament. Adam Scott remains five under for the tournament and the day. So that's what's happening in round two in the women's. It is Jenny Shin, still a two-shot leader over South Africa's Ashley Buhai. And we've got Rachel Lee and Jayashin. Uh, Steph Kiriakou will tee off in 45 minutes. And then Rachel and Jayashin will tee off at uh, in an hour's time there. And the all-ability scoring, minus two for Cameron Pollard, who's taken the lead outright there through nine holes today from Tommaso Perino from Italy. And Lachlan Wood is even at the card. Now, John Rahm, there are reports that are starting to emerge that the deal between John Rahm and Liv is done. And will be announced next week. Now, this comes from a publication called Flushing at Golf. They were one of the first to announce that he was considering the move to live. And if you've been following this story or listening to us, you understand that there's huge, huge money, obviously, attached with this. Something around $600 million. US. US. Yep. Straighten up the car, folks. That's $600 million. US, you know what that is in our money? $907 million. $907 million. He's not sending spaceships to Mars. He's not cracking the code of anything really decent here in terms of humankind going forward. He's hitting golf balls and good on him. And he's going to get $900 million to do it if this deal is done and if the numbers are right. Either way, they're massive. So we're talking about the Spaniard here who is the reigning Masters champ. I mean, it's going to be huge news. They are now starting to report that this deal is done. There's multiple sources and it will be announced next week. So it clears the way for a whole stack of fallout, no doubt about it. And the quick research that I've done here about the details of the contract, <laughs> just just grip your seat a little bit. Details of the contract. Contract runs through to 2029. <clears throat> it's 2023. He's going to sign a deal to play with Live Golf until 2029. I mean, we're having a bit of fun with it because we don't know if all this is going to play out. But let's just say it did and these reports are right. And if you're not laughing at this, you're not understanding the stupidity of the whole thing in terms of what you and I do every day. Awesome for him. Not knocking it back. 
But a six-year deal, and we don't know where Liv's going to end up, a $300 million total signing bonus. Yeah. $300 million signing. Uh, I, I've, I've got one signing bonus in my life in terms of contract, and I managed to get my mum on a, on a nice little train trip across the country. That's how I spent it. <laughs> this guy could buy an island just by signing, and that's paid over the life of the contract. He's been given the option, apparently, to join the Fireballs team, but also an option to captain his own team. Whatever you want, John. And the rumoured $600 million figure includes team equity. So <laughs> not only gets the massive signing bonus, not only gets the $600 million figure, but also gets a stake in the thing as well. Hi, Karumba. I don't even know where to start with that one. Aside from to say that good luck to him. He's coming off one of the most successful years of his career. He won four times, including the Masters in April. But he, he has been very vocal about where he stood on this, that he's not signing. I don't think he's been so vocal against the whole thing, but he's just said, I'm not signing. And he's spoken about how the players at Live have understood where he's at. But it looks as though that's going to happen and his withdrawal um, from the TGL which was Rory and Tiger's new business, the virtual one, and remember that was postponed because of the damage to the venue in Florida, so he was going to play in that, wouldn't have been the astronomical money that he's getting but he was going to play in that and he's obviously had to pull out of that because that ain't happening and that fueled the speculation that the deal with Liv was done or going to be done Oh, that's huge. By the way, Larry Tan uh, Canning is... <laughs> Larry Canning. Is that a sound of summer or just a, just a, I don't know what the heck's going on? Yeah. Uh, Larry Canning has sent us a text saying he's on the practice fairway. Cameron Smith is looking great. I like to hear that. Uh, so he'll get out and with a big job ahead of him, no doubt about it. In all seriousness, as Larry and I were speaking earlier, we, we know everything that's going around. Cameron and, and the emotion that came out of the back of his um, missing the cut at the Australian PGA. Today's the day where he puts his golfing skills to the fore, so to speak. He'll start at one under. He's playing at the Australian today. In 30 minutes' time, he'll get underway. And it's going to be, I would suggest, a head-down business day for Cameron Smith. If he can stay alive today and start to climb up the leaderboard, I think we'll reflect on that as being one of those workman-like kind of golf rounds that he'll piece together, which he is more than capable of doing. Uh, didn't hear, says Pedro, what two courses they were playing the Australian Open. Um, yes, the Australian and the Lakes. And no, your tea time at Royal Marrickville will not be affected unless you've got something else to do. Tommy's Tribune, 0457 736 736 is my text line number. Tribune headlines today. The best will win a golf box prize pack and your texts and calls also coming up after we get to the news. We're back in business. Okay, uh, we're doing Tommy's Tribune and the headlines. That's coming up soon, 0457 736 736. There was all sorts of stuff going on there. All crazy town. Um, get your headlines in on that one. The Golf Box Prize Pack includes an Odyssey cap, tour towel, and Truvis golf balls. You can shop at golfbox.com 
Fast.com.au. We'll also do some health tips this morning. Thanks to Fast Fuel Meals. Healthy meals, ready fast. Enjoy quality food that tastes great and saves you time. Sounds of Summer has uh, been rocking on this morning. Nick, where are we at with Sounds of Summer? Dan says the 12th man always, which is what Julian King texted me as soon as we started the show. The 12th man always reminds me of the Sounds of Summer. Um, Do we have enough? Well, put it this way. Do we have any 12th man Sounds of Summer that we can play? Uh, You know what I'm saying. I just heard on the radio there might be a bit of rain later on. Oh, really? What a bugger. (laughs) Oh, well, make sure you throw the deck of cards in for me, will you, love? Okay. Now, listen, I'll just go and iron your jacket for you. All right. (laughs) Now, the cream one, the bone, the off-white, the white, the ivory or the beige, love? Yes, I know, love. (laughs) Uh, The beige, the bone, the white, the off-white and the ivory. There's There's a sentence of summer right there. Good work on that one, Nick. You managed to get through Billy's uh, 12th man and, and get us a part, you know, PG rated that we can play. Um, but certainly that is one of the sounds of summer. Have you still got the Australian Masters? I mean, I, I just can't get that out of my head. There's so much golf going on around us. The Masters used to be an absolute staple of the Australian summer. Obviously, we had the Open, the PGA. Players used to come down and the Masters was always back then on Channel 7. And it just, it just knew, you just knew that something good was happening on the weekend. You jump out of the pool, you come home from the beach. By the way, Peach says chlorine when you think of summer. Flies and skull as well, yep. And then you hear that and you dum ba da da The tradition continues. Well, unfortunately, in terms of the Masters, it doesn't. So we're looking for Madge's motto too from the New South Wales State of Origin team as this new era begins under Michael Maguire. And you can roll that into a Tribune headline on 0457 736 736. And when I gave you an insight too, a little bit before about how these text messages come through, here's how it works, just physically. You send a text on the number, 0457 736 736, right? Best way to do it is actually just put it in your phone as SEN text. So just save it so you don't have to keep punching it in. When you send it, it comes to our system, which sorts it out. And basically, as soon as you send it, it lands. It's got your number attached to it, and it's also got your the time that it comes through. And then we can sort of use it, and there's various on-airs. But for me, it's sitting right in front of me on, a, on an iPad screen, so a, a bigger screen, so to speak. Sometimes they don't get all the message. Sometimes you send them with Siri. And we, we get words that don't really exist. And I can't work them out. Steve sent one that said, onions on the NBA. And <laughs> I didn't know what the hell you were talking about. Onions on the barbecue is what it was meant to say. So either the finger work got in the way or Siri did the job on you. So Western Sydney Eagle says, what about texts that are just pure rhyming slang that I have to try and work out? LOL which we could do next week. Now, I'm happy to do that, but we've got to also remember Western Sydney Eagle. We've got a broadcast licence, and we need it to broadcast. (laughs) And most of the rhyming slang ones that I reckon you're going to send in, I might either A, trip myself up and put that licence in jeopardy, (laughs) or B, put my job in jeopardy. So I'm happy to do that one. Uh, Rhyming slang I'm pretty good with. I used to work with a cameraman who just used to speak solely 
in rhyming slang. And it was absolutely hilarious. We can do that part of it, or you can just throw stuff at me that I have to decipher. Andy D in Brisbane says, Matty, with regards to the statements around the Commonwealth Games and where all that's at, you can throw the Olympics in with the Com Games. Queensland was the only taker. I think Queensland public would rather the money go to where it's needed. Our Premier wanted it so she'd uh, still have a job. And I, I understand all of that argument. I absolutely understand all of that argument. And I understand that argument around wanting a Commonwealth Games as well. The difference I think here is, and let's, uh, because I completely agree with you, there are plenty of people who would rather the money go somewhere else. But one of the key differences here is the Olympics still has a future. The Commonwealth Games has nowhere to go at the moment. I reckon they're looking at trying to make some sort of announcement, but at the moment, they've got nowhere to go. And they expose themselves to the position where an opportunistic politician could take advantage of that and not deliver on it. Now, that's one part of it, and it probably saved and bypassed a heck of a lot of money that was going to be wasted. But the other part of it is, by doing that, the Commonwealth Games itself put itself in a position where they essentially have no future and no bargaining power. So I hear what you're saying about the Olympics and the money is astronomical. The benefits you will hear about ad nauseum and the money could absolutely be spent elsewhere and that's just society worldwide. I don't think there's any question about that. But the Olympics have got a future after that in 2032. It'll be a big show and it will take place. The Commonwealth Games was in a very, very awkward position before, during, and even worse, now after. Matty, read the sounds of summer when you play the Channel 7 Masters theme, brought back the sound of Sandy Roberts throwing to whispering Paddy Welsh. Great memories. <laughs> Rich in Bris Vegas listening. Yeah, I said that. When I hear that sound, I hear the tradition continues from Sandals and then Paddy out on the course as well. And I'm sure, Patrick, if you're listening, you got a little smile on your dial. We need to take a break. Uh, we'll come back. Tommy's Tribune. We'll sort all that out after this. Independent, trustworthy and dazzling. Time now for Tommy's Tribune. It is 0457 736 736. That's almost a sound of summer right there. Uh, the Tribune fanfare that has got everybody talking. So send in your headlines now. The Golf Box prize pack can come your way. A couple of texts before that. Tim says, what does King Charles uh, think about his Commonwealth Games being cancelled? I wonder. I can tell you. I have insight, not from... I don't speak to old mate Chucky, you know, over the phone, but um, from what I've been told from sources inside the Commonwealth Games is that he thinks that they need to keep going. And he is certainly pushing hard for that. Good luck finding somebody who's going to agree, though. That's the problem. So there's your answer to that one, Tim. When Dan canned the Com Games, if he just said he was cancelling it because it represents colonialism, no one in Victoria would have cared. They would have applauded him, says James. The uh, whole thing's a mess, unfortunately. And Chris from Chinchilla says, do we know where Greg Norman is currently with Liv? From what I understand, I don't know physically where he is, Chris, but uh, from what I understand, he's still there. He's not going anywhere. So until they work out who's going to be the bed partners in the PGA Tour plus either private equity or the Saudis public investment fund or whatever, there won't be any change. And 
G-Shark has said 2024 is good to go. Right. Time for the headlines. 2AM Tommy is on the line. Morning, mate. Have you got headlines for us to kick off this edition of the Tribune? Morning, Matty, and to all the listeners out there. Yeah, I do. It's been uh, it's been a while. been a few weeks since we've done the Tribune, but good to be back on the air with you and all the listeners. Yeah, I'll start off um, with the WBBL final tomorrow night at Adelaide Oval. So, of course, we had um, the Brisbane Heat coach on this morning. Um, she was a star in their win over Perth in the semifinal. And I'm going to go with Grace Harris again, Matty. A graceful win for Brisbane. Grace Harris to get a half century and lead Brisbane uh, to the WBBL title. What do you think? I like it. I like it. That's a that's a tick for me. I don't know if we've got the tick. I, we, we, I think we lost the ba-bao anyway, but I've got, I think we've got the ding tick. But I'll just give it to you. Bing! There you Beautiful. go. Um, Australian Open Golf. So we've been covering that at length this week. Larry Cunning, our man, yesterday and today. Um, Minwoo Lee coming off his PGA Championship win. My headline's going to be win Wu Lee. He's going to win the oh, Australian yeah. Open as well. It's just, it's easy. It's probably been done before. But if it's right, it's right. It rolls off the tongue. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll give that a ding. Can I, can I just throw one? So imagine if we still had the Masters, right? Mm-hmm. And Minwoo Lee comes in and wins the PGA. And then he wins the Australian Open. And then he wins the Masters. It could be Winwoo 3. That's pretty good. That's pretty That's good. That's why it's mine's with Matt White. There you go. Pat myself on the back there. Yeah, nice work, buddy. Uh, I've got... <laughs> what was I've that? Got to... <laughs> that, I've did, got two more. Did somebody... I'll lock it in, Eddie. Okay, I thought, I I thought somebody backed a truck into the SEN studio there. <laughs> right, eh? next. I've got two more. So the next one, we've been asking for mottos for, Matt, for Michael McGuire. He's new era as New South Wales Blues coach. It's a simple one for me, Matty. In Madge, we trust. You know, we've been there, there and about. I know you don't really like the political slogans, but I'm just going, in Madge, we trust. There was a lot of ill will towards Freddie and the whole New South Wales team towards the end of their tenure. In Madge, we trust. Support the man. I'm 100% with you on the theory. I just, uh, yeah, that saying for me, you know, it's like I stand with. Drives me nuts. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. And now this is just a, a little one again, pretty Oh, you've easy. got a fourth it's, today. I've got a fourth one. You went through, it's not a prediction, just a headline. You went through the amazing figures of John Rahm. It's pretty easy. You've said it time and time again, show me the money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Show There's the not money. much else to say on that one. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you that one. Show me a heck of a lot of money. Not bad, is it? $300 million signing fee and $600 million all up is pretty good. I love it how they just nonchalantly throw that out there. Oh, 600 million. Huh. Yep, no problems. I mean, imagine being in that room and deciding that contract. Yeah, look, I, listen, 550 sounds good, but let's make it 600. <laughs> like, I mean, why, why don't you just pick a figure? Ah, just make it 3 billion. Who cares? Now, healthy tips, uh, healthy living thanks to fast fuel meals. Yep, so we've been doing this the last few weeks. Again, it's pretty simple. Um, one for um, all the listeners out there, just drink plenty of water. Coming into the start of summer, Matty, we're going to see a lot of hot days, a lot of hot days. So get in at least two and a half to three litres of water a day. Keep hydrated, keep yourself safe, keep yourself healthy. That's the easiest tip I can give you. Drink lots of water, at least two to three litres every day. Nice. Radelaide Rooster says, strikers strike venom with his headlines. So that's a good one. That's for the WBBL final. Uh, Junior Smithy says, my headlines are dogs sign the dog, as in Lou to sign with the Bulldogs. There's a tick for there. And 
Um, two Lee Good, both of the Lees, so Min Woo and Min Ji Lee, both sign. That's not bad. Here's another one. Yep, tick for that one. Here's another one. Mighty Madge is on the way. Here he comes to save the day. Ooh. Yep, do that one. Somebody else said, um, thank God, boys, this ain't Tiger Town. <laughs> I, don't I mean, that just might be something that he says. I don't know if that's something that, that would be on the, on the wall, on the clubhouse wall. And there was another one which I've lost, but I'll, I'll sort of paraphrase. It's let's do a Queenslander on the Queenslanders which is, you know, that's sort of buying in the whole state of origin scenario. Nice work, Tommy. So I'll let you work out who gets the golf box prize pack, but I'm thinking Radelaide Rooster, you're right up for that one. Another sound of summer, Dan says, the tennis shoes screeching on the hard court. That's a good one. Especially late at night there. And when the commentary just backs off, they're experts at this, they just back off. But the other part of it is, the never-ending grunting and screaming of the Oz Open. Yeah, there's that too. So you take the good with the bad. Sounds of the game. Uh, leather on willow. Hot sand squealing under your feet as you walk down the beach. Tony, the Gold Coast blue bag. Thank you for that, Tony. We all know the sound of that. Our final break, and we'll come back and wrap it up after this. I reckon we're going to finish off today off the back of our last text there about a sound of summer and the screech of of uh, tennis shoes on the court across the course of the Australian tennis summer. I mean, you're just going to get used to this a lot. There it is. Yeah, this is Rafa and Roger. Uh, Rafa and Novak, I think it was, yeah. Get used to it. I, I like the Gangajang. Uh, I loved how he had cicadas to kick us off. I mean, we went everywhere to Darrell Eastlake calling surf boats. We've had the lot, how's that, from Sherbet. 12th man, the wide world of sports theme, um, the Masters theme, the absolute lot this morning. So it's been a lot of fun. Thank you for your company today. Nick, thanks to you, mate, in the studio down there in Melbourne. You've been right on top of it today with our sounds. Arvo's with Jimmy Smith is coming up. The run home continues at Wahlburgers at Circular Quay today for our Sydney listeners with the Professor and Bozza. And the special guest on the run home will be Alyssa Healy. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Thanks for your company.